There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and this is a special edition of Star Talk, a sports edition. And I've got with me my co host, Chuck Nice. Chuck. Hi, and, Neil. And Gary O'Reilly. Hey, Neil. Gary, I have both of you here at the Southampton Art Center. Carlos Beltran. Carlos. Whoa. Good to see you, Neil. Give it up for Carlos. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're not worthy. We are not worthy. Thank you for having me here, guys. Not worthy. We are not worthy. So so what what do you have planned for us today? Pretty much, we're going to talk about baseball through the eyes. Really? Baseball? Uh, okay. No, no. I know. Spoiler. Actually, I, I'm lying. We're going to talk about hockey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, well, Carlos has always been a big hockey fan. Yeah. Uh, I think really what we'll get down is to Carlos's life journey as a baseball player. On that journey, outrageous success. Numbers that players can only dream of that you turn into reality. But along the way, there's an awful lot of science that we can unpack. Imagine Carlos enters Major League Baseball before Moneyball. Moneyball comes, then it goes. Carlos is still around. This guy learned to switch hit. He went out there in terms of player development and did things that other players hadn't even thought about. This is the sort of person that interests us because he is playing with science. So yeah. that's why he sat down with us and we're going to extract an awful lot and hopefully have a great show. Well, this is going to be a learning experience for me also. So okay. happy to be here. Uh, uh, by the way, I got to say, Carlos, uh, uh, doesn't this guy look great? Al, retired. Look, re he wears retirement well. You can look at him and tell. He's like, look how relaxed he is. He's let just let like, me tell you, I have a lot of bad you know, examples out there. Players that retire. Right. They became a little heavier. Yeah. So... 
I just want to make sure that I don't follow up those footsteps. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, you're looking good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. retirement's treating you well. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, if you look at Carlos growing up in Puerto Rico, right, his idol would have been Roberto Clemente, mm -hmm. a man you never got the chance to meet, never, but a player he idolizes, and later in your career those paths actually cross and we'll get on to that because I think that may have been one of the proudest moments of your life in 2013 when you get the Roberto Clemente Award. But we won't touch on that now, we'll touch on it. And plus, of course, all the data that you love and enjoy, Neil, we're going to mine that, we're going to bring it out and, and bring it forward. Um, Mr. October, for numbers postseason that are frightening. Wait, wait, they called you Mr. October? Well, well, Mr. October, uh, for, for me, it's Reggie. That's, that's Reggie. That's Reggie. That's Reggie. Yeah, yeah, that's but Reggie. He was Senior Octubre. <laughs> or yeah, Mr. They, October they, they, they try to call me, they try to put like a little Spanish, Spanish oh, okay. into, into that. But uh, I will call myself Little October. Little, little yeah, October. October. Because Mr. October, you got to give that to Reggie Jackson. You got Reggie, because you can't, you know, <laughs> Reggie's Reggie. Reggie he Jackson, Reggie. Mr. October. He's right. So, so Senior Octubre, that works too. Sounds good. <laughs> you like it? Yeah, we're happy. You're like, I'll take it. I'll take that. No. Just to be clear, if there are any folks who are not entirely familiar with the anatomy of baseball, October begins the playoffs. And the regular season goes from April through the end of September. And it's basically right when October begins are the playoffs. And if you're going to be Mr. Senor Octubre, it means you're really kicking some baseball butt when it counts. When it counts. When it counts. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but before we get into it, why don't we just, uh, speaking of uh, when it counts, uh, look at some of Carlos's accomplishments. Like, uh, of course, 2017, Houston Astros. You yeah. cap off your career with the World Series win, something that is like the dream crowning jewel in anybody's uh, career after a long storied career full of accomplishments that had to feel pretty doggone good. Yeah, that was an incredible, incredible moment in my career. After playing, you know, 20 years, 20 the years. year that I decided to retire, thanks God, you know, as a team, we were able to accomplish that. So it was a, a great moment to, to be able to live the game, but at the same time, uh, great moment to be able to experience with all my teammates. Well, it can't be that great if you're not wearing the ring. This is more important than the worst. Oh, 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 his wedding oh, ring! I got it! I got it! Look at that! Oh my God! And you know what? Your wife ain't even here, and you still did that. <laughs> I still did that. Oh. She's, she's been good to me. Yeah. Oh, let me Respect. tell you something. That's, Respect. That's crazy good, right Very there. Good. But good. on top of that, only one of four players to have 2,500 plus hits. I think they're around 2,700. I don't know. I don't have the exact number here. 400 plus home runs. I think it's like 430, whatever. Uh, 300 plus stolen bases. And just so that you know, the other three are A. Rod, Barry Bonds, and Say hey, kid. Okay, Willie Mays. Mm -hmm. That's a, you know, that's okay company. That's I a guess, club, right? <laughs> that's a company that I never thought in my wildest dream I would be able to, you know, join them. But uh, I have to say that all of them, you know, were an inspiration for really for our younger generation. Nice, for sure. yeah. And I, I just want to add that again for folks who are slightly newer to the anatomy of baseball, it's you don't often find the base stealing statistic with people who have the high home run statistics. Right. So there's certain combinations of performance in baseball 
that if you cross certain membranes of, of certain spheres of performance, then that's you're combining talents that you don't normally find in one package. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, which is why uh, I, and I'll, I mean, I think it's a foregone conclusion, but uh, most people think that uh, Carlos is definitely in the Hall of Fame without a, without a doubt, shadow mm-hmm. of a doubt. First ballot induction is, is the word on the street, the scuttlebutt, you know. I know you're not. I, mean, I, I just think the fact that to be considered uh, is an honor. You well, know. you have to say that, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, come we, on. We, like, we if can I had say said, something. like, you know, pretty much everybody thinks first ballot induction, Carlos Beltran will be there, and you were just like, damn right. <laughs> <laughs> plus, plus, if first ballot, he doesn't get in, you know he's not saying, well, it was good to be honored in the first place. You know? <laughs> no, no, no. Good to be nominated. Yeah. No, we're just joking with you. Nah, it's definitely we'll going to happen, We'll man. see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Should we do a little time travel? Go back in time to when Carlos is a younger person growing up in Puerto Rico? Should we do that? Should, let's do it. All right. Let's so there is a story that said if you couldn't get a pickup game in Manatee, your hometown, mm-hmm. You'd get a bag of balls, a bat and a glove. You'd walk to the nearest field, which was 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And you'd hit every ball, go get it, throw it back at home plate, hit them all again and do rinse, repeat until it got dark. Now, that's an urban myth or is that a fact? It is a fact. You know, wow. It is a fact. And uh, it was the love for the game. You know, honestly, yeah. coming from uh, super humble beginnings and understanding, uh, you know, where we're coming from. Uh, baseball was uh, in our family. You know, my, my dad played baseball, my brother played baseball. Not professional, but they played baseball. So I got to see them, uh, you know, loving the sport, growing up and being able to see that. Uh, every time I used to come from, from school, I used to pick up that bag, that bat, went to the ballpark, hit the baseball, play catch on, you know, by myself. And, uh, but I, at the same time, in my mind, I had a mission. I feel like I had a mission. And that mission uh, was to hopefully uh, one day become a professional ball player, one day being able to help my family, by one day being able to turn uh, the payback, my, my mom, my dad, all the sacrifices that they did for me and my brothers. Yeah, man. And let me just tell you something. That is a tremendous amount of uh, dedication at such a young age, like playing baseball by yourself. Because, mm-hmm. you know, anybody walking by that field or driving by was like, that is the loneliest kid I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Honestly, I had a few guys that, you know, they were homeless. And every day they sit on the stands and they were thinking, oh, here comes the little crazy kid is coming again <laughs> to throw those baseballs it's, in the air. And the homeless them, people are looking know, at me like, what's wrong with this kid? <laughs> the homeless people were like, yeah, that's the kid that plays with the imaginary baseball team. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that kid is crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't blame them. You know, I don't blame them. See, because you, uh, you, you got to be a little crazy in order to do those things. But at the end of the day, I felt that, you know, in my heart, I was doing the right thing. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and, you know, God knows that I was putting every effort of every ounce that I have to try to get better. See, you see the crazy kid. Right. I see the potential major league player who's building that platform brick by brick throw by throw, hit by hit, yeah. on your own. See, that's, that's why how- both of them are professional sports players. So Gary was a professional <laughs> uh, soccer player. Carlos, of course, a major league baseball player. And I tell jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, that's why. 
I used to go out on my own and kick soccer balls. So when I read with this you, about... With your imaginary friend, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was better than him, though. <laughs> Not much. But okay, so fast forward. You've got Major League Scouts. They come to the island and you get drafted. You're still a teenager right now at that point? Uh, yeah, I got drafted when I was 18 years old. Okay, yeah. Kansas City Royals come knocking. Bring, bring you to their organization, then immediately farm you out. You go to a rookie league in the Gulf yeah. Coast, yeah? Yeah, Gulf Coast League. I played my first year in 1995, rookie ball. Uh, coming from Puerto Rico, not speaking the language. So it was a very challenging moment for me. Yeah. Uh, being able to try to figure out what the guys were talking or something that I did to try to kind of catch up with uh, what the coaches were explaining. I always, uh, I always was the last one used to try to make sure that I follow what they were doing, you know, without understanding what they were saying. So it was a very challenging moment, but at the end of the day, uh, it was something that I needed to go through in order to, you know, now yeah. these days being able to appreciate that the struggles got me to the point where I am today. I want to ask you just, I mean, because this is something that is so foreign, I think to most people, especially to somebody like me, but I mean, you know what this is like too, but how does it work and what is it like when they draft you in? Now, how does that happen? Is it like somebody saw you playing with your imaginary friends in the field and like bought you? Like, how does that actually work? How do they well, approach you? How's that? Well, I was playing um, uh, literally baseball in Puerto Rico, and uh, literally baseball have these different categories where you play, and Puerto Rico is, is one of those places where. Every scout, uh, every organization have a scout over there okay. looking around the island. So some of the scouts approached me and they told me, uh, Carlos, you have a good potential one day to hopefully become a professional ball player. So at the beginning, I was like, well, you know, sounds great. Uh, but, you know, once I kind of like start seeing the talent that I was uh, doing when I was a player, then, you know, I got to see that, yeah, I, I did have a, a talent uh, based on the things that I was doing that other kids were not doing. Cool. So, strange, you said you weren't able to understand fully what coaches were saying, but at the end of this rookie season, you take things into your own hands. Mm -hmm. yeah. He co-ops Bernie Williams, the yeah. Yankees legend Bernie Williams, who, known, I believe, is a switch hitter. Yes, That's right. He is. Yes, he is. Yankees are famous historically for their for switch, switch hitters. hitters. Yeah. And just, to, just, again, for people who might be sort of new to the anatomy of baseball, the value of a switch hitter is that if you bat right-handed against a right-handed pitcher, the ball starts coming at you before it enters the strike zone. And so you're, the room you have to maneuver and put the bat on the ball is diminished. And generally, batters do not do as, generally, batters do not do as well against the same-handed pitcher as they bat. So what you do is you become a switch hitter. Just go to the other side of the plate. The pitcher's not going to switch hands. And now, oh, now the ball is coming hit. from the other side into home plate. And so you can confound what would otherwise be the advantage a pitcher has in a lineup if you're, one, if you're a switch hitter. Yeah. And so, so and Mickey Mantle was a switch hitter, for example, one of the greatest. So you just decided you wanted to be a switch hitter? Well, yes. Uh, I mean, I remember my first rookie year. I hit from the right side. I went to Puerto Rico, played winter ball, and Bernie William was playing center field. He's also Puerto Rican. Yes, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, he is. Yeah. He was playing center fielder for the winter ball team, and I got to see him, and I got to ask him questions, and I got to say, Bernie, if you had tried, how do you think it's going to help me? 
So he said, Carlos, you know, it's going to help you. And it was a lot of work, honestly. I became switch hitter in 1996. Uh-huh. Uh, I was 19 years old. Uh, it was a decision that I made. I had good coaches, thanks God. Uh, one of the coaches is a hitting coach in the big leagues right now, Kevin Long. He's with the Nationals. So we spent a lot of hours working from the left side to try to pick up the swing, and thanks God I was able to do it, man. Wow. So, Neil, what's the physics of what Carlos is trying to attempt here, and what's the optimum angles, velocities, and forces that he's going to be looking for? For me, what's interesting about baseball, uh, unlike so many other sports, is almost everything is about the handedness of what's going on, okay? There's no such thing as a left-handed third baseman because you can't position yourself to throw. So, for example, I'm at third base, and the ball comes to me, but first base is over there, so now I have to turn my body like this to throw. Whereas if I'm right-handed, it comes to my right hand. I'm already positioned to do this. I would have lost a fraction of a second having to twist my body around. Little things like that operate in every part of the field. And so, so if you're going to now be a switch hitter where you have to have the precision of laying a bat on a ball with strength and agility, this is a, you, you, the other half of your body is now engaged in something it had never done before. 100%. What did that feel like to you? Your muscles, did you have to, did they tr- have you train in for, certain ways to, to boost one half of you relative to the other? Well, for me, it was more like trying to work on my hand and eye coordination. Uh, from the left side. I know that from the right side, I could put the bat on the baseball. But from the left side, I was also able, being able to adapt to change of speed, you know, because from the right side, you know, normally you see a ball coming on the air until you know it's a curveball. But from the left side, I didn't have that, so I needed to train myself to try to get that. Oh, so, so, so the... So the, the the, the, the catalog of pitches look different yeah, everything from the other different. side of the, the, the plate. Everything right. looked different, and uh, it was a challenge. It was a challenge, and but you know what, man? I, I really thank God that I was able to commit, uh, put the work and the effort, and at the end of the day, I feel like my career was turned out to be the career that I have because I was able to make that adjustment. How many yeah. hours does it take for someone like you? Forget me. <laughs> There's no hours, it's years. How many hours did it take you to learn to switch hit to a level that you were confident and comfortable with? Well, uh, I remember that games uh, in the minor league used to start at 7.05, and I used to get to the ballpark around noon to hit, and we hit from noon to 3 every day until I start feeling comfortable at the, of, uh, at the play because at the end of the day, if I would have not done it that way, there's, there's no way that I was going to be able to find the swing, find the stroke, and being able to ad- adapt and adjust to, to change-ups, curveball, slider. You know, there, there was a lot of things that I, was, I wasn't able to feel comfortable right away, so I needed to work on them. I, I'm just going to interject here, the, just to, to, to appreciate what this required. If anyone here is sort of strongly handed, right? Are you strongly right-handed or left-handed? That's probably true for most of us. I did experiments with my left and right side of my body just to see what I was more capable of without training and what I was able to train. So so one of the most difficult things I found was, I'm right-handed, was to brush my teeth with my left hand. Mm. If you're listening and watching, try this at home tonight. Use your other hand to brush your teeth. Something simple. 
-hmm. That's not hitting a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. That's just brushing your teeth. And you find out that you just can't, it's just not there. It's wrong. It's wrong. There's something wrong. wrong. It's wrong. That's why I suffer from tooth decay. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, So I did some simple things. So I started... I said, because I wanted to train the other side of my body, just like what you were yeah, doing. Yeah. So I said, let me try to train as I wash dishes, okay? Because dishwashing is a handed thing, right? If you're right-handed... You're, dishwashers, you're... Neil. Dishwashers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, you mean the machine, the machines. Yes. Okay, but still, there's some things you wash by hand. Yeah, so I, I tried it. that. And that's a little, uh, takes less coordination than mm. brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. But I did that, and I just kept doing it. It took me about a month, and then I came to the sink, and I was, I didn't notice that the dishes went from one hand to the other smoothly without me even thinking about it. It became, what do you call it? Intuitive. Muscle memory. Muscle memory memory. got me there. So now I am a a switch-hitting dishwasher. That's great. great. Did your left side get stronger than the right side, or were you able to… Keep it close. You know what? Hitting because I'm a right-hander uh, thrower, and everything that I do these days, I do it from the right side. So having the, the right arm in front to hit from the left side, I felt like uh, I could hit the ball a little bit stronger from the left side than from the right side. Because in the right side, I had to make sure that that hand stay all away. But from the from the left side, that hands get to the contact point super easy. So I felt like okay, this is. It's going to take time for me to get it, but once I get it, I feel in my heart that I was going to be able to hit the ball for power. So, I forgive me for not knowing these numbers in advance, but many switch hitters, by the way, I think there are fewer switch hitters today than, you know, decades ago, mm-hmm. but for any switch hitter I've ever seen, one side of the plate, they have a higher average, mm-hmm. and the other side of the plate, they have more power. Yeah. And are, were you more symmetric? I was symmetric. I was symmetric. Yeah, that's hard, that, symmetric. dude. That's hard. Super symmetric, and uh, but I, I did. So your average was about the same. I will say. I, I will say the average is about two eighty from the right side, two eighty from the left side. Wow. Numbers. I mean, I face more righties than lefties. Right. But you know, when you kind of like see, look at the numbers from the right side, and look at the number from the left side. You know, it, it, pretty much the same. Symmetric. Yeah, you know what? You and I have that in common. Uh, my numbers no, they are don't. equally bad from the left <laughs> and the right. <laughs> equally zero. No matter what side I'm on, the number is zero. All right, we are going to take up. Suck. A- That's a num- is suck a number? Okay. You happy now? You got that off your chest? <laughs> right. We are going to take a break. Um, no wonder he's headed to the Hall of Fame. When we come back, we will be touching on your experiences of Moneyball because you're starting to find your groove yeah. just around the time Billy Bean is revolutionizing the Oakland days. Reminding people Moneyball is a book, became a movie, and yeah. it's the analysis of baseball in another dimension yeah. that uh, confounding how people ever did it before. What is it you say? I love me some data? I love me some data, and we will get right to that when the second segment of Star Talk Sportiverse continues. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx 
who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We're back. Star Talk. Sports edition. We are visiting the Sportiverse, and I have help. Chuck Nice. Yes. Gary O'Reilly. Yes. And Gary, we've got Carlos Beltran here. I know. A retired professional baseball player. You were a retired footballer. Yeah. Or a soccer player, yeah. excuse me. That's okay. Yeah, soccer player from the UK. Yes, I am. Yeah, all right. All right, let's, let's sort of fast forward just a little bit. 98, you get called up to the big leagues. Yeah. The big leagues with the Royals. Yeah. yeah. Um, you are crushing it. But at this moment, the game around you is changing. As we said before the break, Moneyball arrives. Billy Bean is changing the landscape of baseball. How does that A, affect you? And how does it B, affect the organizations around Major League Baseball? You know what? By that time, uh, not too many organizations were doing what Oakland, the Oakland A's were doing. So it was new for baseball. Uh, honestly, as a player, I never thought about it. I focused and try to do my routine, get to the ballpark, do the things that is, are working for me. So I didn't really put attention to it until basically my second phase of my career. Uh-huh. Uh, after 10 years in the big league, I got to see firsthand that like more teams being able to involve and, and try to think about how they can get better using analytics and all that type of information. So I felt personally that I was able to last 20 years in the big leagues because I was able to, to update myself to the time that I was living. So okay, I, never, yeah. I never closed the doors on new information that was going to help me to get better. So because of the way 
Moneyball, Sabermetrics, call it what you wish, looked at each individual player. Mm -hmm. Did that change the way that you looked at you? Well, I always was open to try to make adjustments and to try to get better. I always feel that as a player, uh, I wanted to get better. I wanted to continue to prove myself. Not because what I did in the past means that it's going to continue to be like that. So Yeah, but what Moneyball did, it changed what people understood that you had to do to be better. So, so can I just give, if, again, yeah. for those who didn't read the book or see the movie, let me just give one example, Please. which is something no one, I don't think people really thought about before. Let's say you don't, you're not a very, let's say you're bat 200. That's, a very, that's not a very good player, okay? But if every time you get at bat, it takes 14 pitches to get you out, right? then you just wore out the pitcher. Mm-hmm. You you have value you to have the team. You now have a different value to the team. Because if there's a pitcher who's really shutting down your team, you can knock the pitcher out innings earlier by having someone like that on the team. And I, I think before Moneyball, nobody was thinking that way. Right. You know, and the way the, the tendency of a hitter being able to hit the ball to the pull side 70% of the time, then 30% to the opposing side. So that's when you start seeing the shift on the infield. So they so. did all the shifting in the defense. Exactly. After yeah. Moneyball. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no doubt that there is a lot of valuable information. Uh, now that I'm working, you know, for the Yankees and I get to spend Wait, wait, time, so, so you are... I'm an advisor for the New York Advisor, Yankees. very nice, very nice. Uh... It, it, it's funny when you say you're an advisor for the Yankees, and I just found this out, that when you were being considered to manage the mm-hmm. Yankees, I thought that was something you wanted to do. But then I found out that Cashman called you. Yeah. It wasn't your idea, no. which is what most people would say, like, you know, I think I'd like to manage. Mm-hmm. He actually called you and said, hey, yeah. Carlos, what do you think about how that goes? Cashman is the general manager. General manager yeah. of the Yankees. Yeah, that that's was incredible, that, that, that's the year that I retired from the game of baseball. So all of a sudden, I just decided to retire. And a few months after, Cashman called me and said, Carlos, we want to interview you for, for the job. And I'm like, I told my wife, say, you know, I'm looking forward to travel, to enjoy time with the kids. <laughs> so now the Yankees are calling me to manage. So honestly, I felt that it wasn't important, you know, for me to yeah. take that interview and, and uh, you know, it's not, it's not any team. It's the Yankees. Oh, yeah. So I felt that it would have been an incredible uh, story. But at the, end, at the end of the day, it didn't happen. So, But, you know, uh, I took the year off. I traveled with the family. Now I'm missing the game. So second time around, Cashman called me against him. And you want, you want to do something for our team? I said, yeah, I would love to do something that doesn't really take a lot of time out of my family. So we end up agreeing on uh, being an advisor and have the flexibility that I have today. You, you still have interest in coaching, though? I mean, I mean in, in, in managing? You know what? Honestly, now that I get to see uh, what managers go through, uh, the responsibility, the commitment, is I mean, it requires crazy time. Yeah. So Plus, you got to know how to argue with the umpire. Yeah, you know, I mean, know. but I, honestly, I, I love I love to, to do what I do now. You know, I think now I get the opportunity to talk to the players, uh, talk to the organization, give them my what I think about players, share my you know my experience with the with the guys that are going through certain situations. So I really enjoy what I'm doing. Plus, it doesn't require a lot of time. See, what I'm hearing here is what we used to refer to, I think, back in the early '80s, called the brain drain. Right? If you walk away from baseball and you go on a world cruise, you go to all of your bucket list spots. Mm-hmm. Your game intelligence, your experience walks away and the game is less. 
So what Cashman has done to my mind is gone, I can't let that walk away. Mm. I got to keep this in the game. Because how many players do you know have had stellar careers, numbers that are superb, and they go, I'm done, thank you, and go. You, you got that right. And also, if you go away for too long uh, from the game, you know, you when you try to come back, you're not going to be updated to, to the time, exactly. you know, in the game. So a lot of guys that went away from the game uh, and now they're trying to get jobs, it's hard, you know, because they have this mentality where, oh, no, my mentality is I was an old school player. I did it this way. I did it my way. And that's the way it should be done. Man, my friend, you got no room in baseball. You know, in baseball, the guys that have room are the guys that are willing to adapt to what is new, new information, and being able to see it. You know, at the same time, you know, I got my arguments with guys that, that you know, they, all, all they think is about analytics. I said, man, you know what? I understand that and I appreciate that. And that's valuable information. But at the same time, you know, as a player, you've never been in my shoes. You don't know how to feel mentally, physically, yep. the things that you got to go through in order to, to overcome a slump. You know, so there's a lot of things that analytics cannot quantify. Right. So, 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 they, wait, so they can't qualify the spirit of the game. The heart of the player. Mm. You know? I know that that spirit of that the game, works. the heart of the player. Right. That that should be on a poster. <laughs> it's gonna be on a t-shirt by the time we leave here. <laughs> There'll be a guy outside with t-shirts with that exactly on it. But I want to get back to Moneyball for a minute. Yeah, please. Moneyball's not just what you do to play a better game. Somebody is analyzing you, the batter, so that you become a lesser batter when they face you. So all of a sudden they figure out. Uh, Beltran, he can't hit the low outside fastball. So, now so they start giving that to you, right. and then you, then you see that you got to adjust. Exactly. Yeah. And so if you can't adjust, you're, then you're dead. You're dead. Yeah, you're dead. They you figured know, you out. That, that's that. Yeah, that's the game of baseball. The game of baseball was a game of adjustments. You know, every day for me was different. I couldn't say to myself, "Okay, what I did yesterday, I'm gonna do today." No, maybe I would do the same thought process. I will have the same uh, preparation. But at the, at the time to face that pitcher, you have to understand that you're not going to see the same pitches that you saw the night before. So you have to be able to make your adjustment during that bat. Nor the same pitch that you hit out of the ballpark the, next, the previous time you were at bat. Exactly. So, but it, it also, too, I think people forget the fact that with player development now and money ball, mm -hmm. the money part, it's the organization saying... If we're able to get these particular players in this particular alchemy, we don't have to spend as much money. Oh, that's right. In order to get the same results, right? That's why I decided to retire. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is awesome. <laughs> I, I took advantage of the game. But you know what? Honestly, no, no, I don't, I don't want to put it that way. I just want to say just that organizations these days are more prepared based right. on… Yeah. Info, data, right. things that they didn't have back in the days, for example. Back in the days, if an owner wanted to win, he was going to pay that player whatever… Whatever it took. To get him. You know, because he felt that that guy was going to help that team. Now these days, data could tell you a lot about the player and about the projection of the player. So now organizations are more cautious and more careful about, okay, we have a budget, so we, might, we want to make sure that we stay around that budget… And, you know, and they're going to move the, the pieces to try to put the team together. Like, for example, the Yankees are the, it's a team that, you know, they look at that, 
but they also want to put a good product for the city. So every single year, because they have a lot of pride, the organization have a lot of pride. They want to win. So that's uh, the pride of the Yankees. Story. Yeah. yeah. So, so to, to that point, an interesting element that I think is underappreciated. If you, um, if there's an expensive player that you could get, you say instead I want to get these two players at half price of that yeah. expensive yeah. player. Uh, can I now put them together? Like I love the word you use, alchemy. What is the alchemy of that to try to put out a winning team? So now, here's my question. Uh, oh no, no. First, I want to make a statement, and then I have a question for you. All right. Statement is: You come from the world of soccer. There are 11 players on a team at yep. a time. Baseball has nine. Basketball has five. There's an analysis that shows that a lot of money for a single player matters much more to basketball mm. than it does to soccer, yes. and in between for baseball. Because in soccer, it's you, that person is one eleventh of the bodies on the field. Correct. Right. Baseball, you're one. Ninth. Ninth of the bodies on the field. Basketball, you're one fifth. So LeBron James's value in base in basketball, yeah. he's twenty percent of what's out there. Hmm. So so and plus he's there in every play. Right. You Just don't about. Get, you don't come to bat every all the time. Huh? You, you, even as though they good as your you bat is, I see you four, four times. Maybe four times. five. Yeah, maybe right. five. So so this is an interesting fact about how you value somebody relative to everything else that's going on on the field. Yeah. And that's where the sabermetrics came in. It took the same thing, just changed the angle at which it looked at it and came up with a different result. Plus, you were Golden Glove. Yeah, yes. I mean, I was fortunate. Yeah, to... yeah, I was Golden oh, well, Glove. Oh, now you mentioned, yeah, I, yeah. Now you mentioned the yeah, GG, so, right? Golden Glove. This gentleman <laughs> wins his first Golden Glove, right? <sighs> Two mistakes. That's all he makes. For the season. But the season. Two errors. Two. That's, that's, there's a swear word in there somewhere. But yeah, that's ridiculous. That's pretty, uh, That's what I meant to say. That's ridiculous. <laughs> what kind of mental power do you have going on in there to concentrate game in, game out on your field? Because we know you're good with a bat. Yeah. Now we know you're something else in the field. Yeah, I mean, uh, I always have a lot of pride uh, when I play the game. And for me, it was, uh, if I'm not doing my job offensively, I have to make sure that I help the team defensively. So when as a player, you're able to let go one thing and focus on the other thing, because baseball, you use a lot of times when you see guy making mistakes defensively is because they carrying the result of their bat to the defense. So now they're thinking about the process. The whole, the at-bats on the loop exactly. in their mind, so now they the game, can't shed it. The game, the oh, ball that... comes to you, catch on you, and you're oh. like, oh my God, I'm not prepared. That yeah. sounds so that's terrible. That's thing comes. Oh, it's, it, like you're living, it's like you're living a nightmare. You're living is. your own mistake while you're actually still playing the yeah, game. Yeah, in situ. I, I was bite by that a lot of times, believe me or not. How long did know? it take you to shake it off? Because that's, it's very rare a, a rookie or a younger, less experienced player can shake that bad moment off. How long did it take you? Well, you know what? I, I always was pretty good uh, right. letting things go. Uh, there's no doubt that in baseball, right. uh, you need to have a short memory. So you don't have to let things go. Interesting wisdom oh, there. That's wisdom. So yeah. it's, yeah, so you don't, you don't remember your mistakes. You just keep moving. <laughs> I, try, I, try, I, try, I try, try to remember them, right. but I try not to spend energy on them. Right. See, I would have been a great baseball player. I don't remember any of my mistakes. <laughs> I just what? keep it moving. I want to I thread a... I want to put a thread through this. All right. Bernie Williams yes. played center field. Mm-hmm. And you played center field. Yeah. Okay. You're both good base dealers. 
Yes. And if I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, the center fielder is generally the faster of the three outfielders because they have a more area to cover. You've got to cover a lot of ground. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you a question. I've tried to calculate this and I've not gotten an answer to it. Mm -hmm. So maybe you know it intuitively, even that I couldn't get to mathematically. Good person to ask. Okay. If you are a fast center fielder, mm -hmm. do you make fewer or more spectacular catches? Fewer. That's... Well, that makes sense. Yeah, because you, you're getting to the ball. You get quicker. to the ball. You stand there, right. and the ball comes. Yeah. It's, it's a slow outfield. That yeah, make all the shoot diving, diving. Right. Those yeah. are the slow ass players, but they get on the sports channel. Right. Yeah. That was that was one of my argues when I was with the Royals. Uh, you know, I used to get to the ball. I never made fancy places when right. I was my first. Because yeah. he's waiting for the ball. So I'm, I'm always getting to the baseball, standing up. I'm not diving for the baseball. And when you look in Sports Center, and now you see all these diving cash, and I'm thinking, wow, man, you know what? I, what I need to do in order to win a, a gold glove? Yeah. Right. Like, what I need? Do I do I have to fake it? Right. Yeah. To, to win yeah. a gold glove. Right. You know, but you know, thanks God, I never did that. But what I'm yeah. saying is, like, when you're a faster outfielder, there's fewer. Uh, Occasions to yeah. make a fancy places. Yeah, yeah. See, that would have been cool though, just to see a highlight where somebody smacks one deep center, and then you're like, "Hold on, I gotta take this," and then you like take a phone call. Then you go <laughs> catch the ball. <laughs> then go catch the ball. That you would have made it. You made a highlight. Yeah, that'd be a highlight. Real. That'd be a highlight. Hundred <laughs> percent. You'd have been hated throughout the leagues if you don't listen to him. He's a bad influence. All right, we aren't gonna just hold that. Yeah, we, got, we got to take it. We break. are gonna take a break. And when um, we come back, what do you what do you have up next in the? Third? Oh, we're gonna talk about vision training in baseball because Carlos said I always kept an open mind to change things. That's easy to say. He actually went about doing it. And there is a way to train your vision. We have peripheral vision and we have a thing called foveal vision that comes straight out of the pupil. It's sharper and it's faster. Kind of thing as a hitter you need. That's what we're going to deal I, I, I with. Like when they, like he likes Whoa. it. Yeah, you Whoa. see. So this is, like, this is like bionic man stuff, right? <laughs> Maybe. Right. So we're, we're going to take that break. Carlos and how to be a better hitter. On the way back. When Star Talk returns, we're going to learn about how to alter your body physiologically to do better at the sport of your choice. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.
We're back on Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and we are coming to you from the Southampton Arts Center. Well, yes, yes. Woo! Uh, we'll get to it in a moment, but later this evening, there's a fundraising event uh, in the service of those who are still in need from Hurricane Maria, Maria in the island of Puerto Rico, which, last I checked, is part of the United States. Indeed it, it is. <laughs> So, uh, Chuck and Gary, this is the yes. sport edition of Star Talk, and you're going to take us forward. We are, as promised uh, just before the break. There's something called vision training in baseball, where you take the foveal vision that comes out of the center of the eye of the pupil. So there's a guy called Dr. Bill Harrison, who yeah, Chuck and I have had on the show. Yeah, pass away. So I'm oh, sorry no. to hear that. Yeah. But as a hitter, if you can see clearer yeah. the pitch that's coming at you, you're taking it. How did you come about finding the good Dr. Bill Harrison? And how did he teach you? And what did you find useful? Well, you know what? Uh, everything started for me uh, when I got to hear the Erica Martinez. Uh, he was doing this uh, hand and eye uh, coordination drills. And he used to have like a tennis ball machine flipping baseball at him at like a 120 mile per hour with dots, with numbers, red colors, uh, black Just colors. Just to be clear. No one has ever thrown a ball 120 miles an hour. So you're, you're training at a higher speed. So he's training at a higher speed, try to pick up a color, try to pick up the number on the baseball. Yeah. So I asked him, I say, you know, what do you do this for? He said, well, you know, a lot of people train their bodies. And when we're hitting, our eyes are the most important thing because if we don't see the baseball, we're not going to be able to hit the baseball. So since that day, I really was able to make that adjustment and say, you know what? I have to find a way to train on that. So hopefully I can get better uh, at the plate. And uh, I got to meet uh, Bill in, uh, in Anaheim. And uh -huh. he gave me some drills and exercise that I still carry with, with me. And hopefully one day I could pass that on with, to my kids. And uh, I was able to do those drills. And honestly, uh, I got to the point where I was able to narrow my vision. That's it. Yeah, so it you're slows able down. to slow the game down. You're able to see the ball better. You're able to see more details on the baseball right. than when you are in a position where, you know, anxiously you're there, but you're just trying to make contact. When you feel in that groove, you feel like you're seeing the ball good. You see the ball coming out of the hands. You see rotation. You see you're capable of letting things go or being able to attack the baseball. So, I'm talking like if you have a lot of time, you know. I know you don't have a lot of time. When it's you're a split eating. second. It's a split second, but that's the feeling, you know. It's when four tenths of a second well. or something. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so, so what you so so first of all, it seems to me that yes, the easy way to say it is that you're training your vision, but you're all. But I think what you're really doing is training your mind, your brain, yeah. your, your brain, training yeah. your brain, your brain to process information differently. Right. 100%. And yeah. find the information that matters in that moment. Because, you know, we, we evolved on the Serengeti where everything matters in front of you because something might kill you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you got to really, that's why we have good peripheral vision. The last thing a batter needs is peripheral vision. You can see more than 180 mm -hmm. degrees. Yeah. In baseball, when you're at bat, you don't need that. So no. the brain has to now figure out how to ignore that. Am I, this is what's oh, going on. 100%. Yeah. Okay, and so fascinating that you put markings on the ball because actual baseball has stitches, right? Yeah. So that's something to look at. Right. And you say, and, and, and we've heard many yeah, pitchers we have, tell yeah. us this. You know, as a matter of fact, Ron Darling told us the same thing about mm -hmm. the 
batters like you, the guys who could see the rotation of the ball. Oh, yeah. And so in that split second, like four-tenths of a second, you're processing rotation and actually figuring a pitch for swinging in that little bit of time? Or is it just a reaction that that's the way the process happens? Well, at least in my case, uh, it was different. Why? Because if I was going to face Ron Darling uh, that, that night, I needed to make sure that I watched films of, of Ron Darling. I watched a lot of films of him to see what the ball was is going to do before I get there. So I'll, I'll, I do a lot of visualization. Okay. So I, my, by me watching the film, now I'm visualizing where that, where that ball is going to end up. And if, he, if I can see something on the glove, meaning tipping, they call it tipping, where you could, you know, see the ball moving, the glove moving. And now you know that he's going to throw fastball when the ball, when the glove moves certain way. And you're going and, and if the glove open, then you're going to know all speed is coming. So now you make your own study before you get there. So when you get there, for me, that doesn't guarantee me success, but it guarantees me that I'm going to feel very comfortable in that at bat. You're playing. So that go little, ahead. that little, any little advantage yeah. is going to help the batter. Yeah. Any little advantage. Because if you, if you kind of know it's a fastball coming, then, oh my. I, I'm going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. No, honestly, that's you, the mentality. So, but, so, so just let me state the obvious. Since you don't know what ball is coming, if a pitcher doesn't reveal it by oh. these tact, by no these tipping, very, no very, tipping. Very if you don't know, some percent of that four-tenths of a second is kind of wasted yeah. figuring out what kind of pitch it is, and then you got to figure out how am I going to hit this pitch. But that extra fraction of a second with prior knowledge, you're all on it. Oh, 100%. And, and, and the announcers will say this. He was looking for that curveball the whole way. Right. Yeah. He was looking for that fastball the whole way. And a lot of times you're not looking. You just know that it's coming. That's, that's of, Zen. He's getting Zen now. No, honestly, a, a, lot of time, a lot of time because, one because if, if I know that he's doing something with his glove and I know it's coming… I'm not looking for that pitch. I know it's coming, so I gotta. All I gotta do is just make sure that it's in the strike zone. Make sure that I put a good swing on it. Uh -huh. What, to my mind, what Carlos is doing is taking away the element of gamble. There's more advantage to me because I'm reading the tail on the glove. There yeah. might be a hand movement that you've you've noticed as the pitch is coming through, and then you're locked on to the rotation on the ball. Yeah. And what doesn't seem to be because you you always say about if you hit in 300, you're doing really great. Yeah, that's the that's the main, it's the funny right, yeah. thing you read about yeah. baseball where you say, okay, you can get into the baseball hall of fame by failing seventy percent of the time. Yeah. I fail seventy two. Seventy two percent. So when so you bat at two ninety eight. So when those when those odds are that stacked against you, if you can now bring that towards you, that makes uh, there was a, I was reading an interview. Well, I didn't calculate that right. You go. 280 is fine. That's right, not 298. It's yeah. 280. There, the Astros pitching coach said you were talking when you, when you won the World Series in 2017, mm -hmm. you were talking to some of the relief pitchers and he got a little bit upset because they were listening to you more than they were him. But you were calling pitch after pitch mm -hmm. after pitch. Now, you're either psychic or you... you what are you no, looking at? How I'm, do you I'm, do that? All, all my career, all I did was... Uh, Study pitchers. Study you know, pitcher. I study a lot of pitchers. When I first got to the big list, was putting the cat, you know, cassette into the 
Mm-hmm. DSA. Yeah. And then, what's, you know, what's a cassette? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, but that's, that's how it was when I, when I first how got to the big <laughs> And then later on, technology came and now it's like all these fancy computers. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, you could do it frame by frame. Beautiful. I mean, I really enjoy uh, doing that study. But what I'm saying is that uh, as a player, I spend hours, you know, looking just at looking films. looking at VHS tapes. Okay, yeah. Okay, I got to interject here. All right. As an academic, I will say that the mantra, well, how do I get to Carnegie Hall or whatever? Practice, practice, practice. Practice, practice, practice. No, excuse me. We just added something to this. Yeah. It's practice, practice, practice. Study, study, study. Yeah. Study, yes. study, study. Okay. Right. All right. Because 100%. it's too easy for us watching the game. Oh, they're a natural. Oh, they, he just, he just. No, you, you're behind the tapes. There's yeah. a lot of work I was, on. and I, by talking a little bit about 2017, I remember when I got there, uh, I'm four years old. All my teammates are 21, 22, 23, very wow. young. You're the old man. So yeah, I'm the old man. They're putting hours on the on the you know watching films, and the younger guys are coming to me and they're asking me, Carlos, what are you doing? I say I'm storing these guys. So week after, now you see seven or eight shares of the younger guys sitting studying, there, watching, studying with you, looking. Yeah, right. okay. Yeah. How I can take advantage? Before it was like, Carlos, when you finish, please can you pass the information to me? I say. I would do it, but I would prefer you to spend time doing it because right. if I'm not here, don't next cheat year, off of my paper. No, because next year I won't be here. Yeah. So right. I, I want you to create the habit that this is important and it's going to benefit you in your career. So you're in this fabulous role as an advisor in the front office of the Yankees organization, but you also have another side to your post career, which is a place dear to your heart, is Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. You have a baseball academy. Mm-hmm. The Carlos Beltran Baseball Academy. Are you teaching science and technology and all of those things, not just baseball? Believe it or not, uh, our school uh, is a high school that we specialize in uh-huh. baseball. Uh, you know, I talk about the high school with a lot of pride because uh, I felt that as a player, I really uh, used the, the talent that God gave me to hopefully do something to impact. Uh, future generations. So we impact a lot of kids in our country. Uh, we help them. We give them a lot of information. Uh, with that school, the way that I did it was like all the things that I was able to live that uh, there were challenges. Yeah. I try to make sure that they go through that. They experience that because I want them to be prepared, more prepared than I was when I was a professional ball player. So it's a full bilingual school. Uh, we try to teach them, you know, the language. So when they, when they over, you know, they go to uh, colleges or sign up professional ball players, they're more prepared. Uh, I have a lot of friends in baseball that, you know, they're being willing to share uh, all the kind of information about technology, about all the data, about the players. So we try to teach the kids that baseball is going into. Uh, it's a different generation of, yeah. of of baseball. It's not what it was back in, in back in the day. It's days. always evolving. Yeah, yeah, so it's evolving. So yeah. we want our kids to evolve with the game and to make sure that when time comes for them, they're ready and they're prepared and they're they're able to make uh, good decisions. And in addition to the uh, to the school, you're also doing stuff for the island of of Puerto Rico yeah. with your foundation. I know you guys are still building homes, right? Yes, we are. We are uh, right now. We're in the process of building seven new homes uh, for seven families that, you know, believe it or not, there's still people uh, struggling in the island. Uh, 
you know, seems like Puerto Rico is back in, in their feet and, and in some areas they, they are, but there's a lot of areas that are in need. And uh, our foundation, you know, we, we try to be active. We try to uh, see the situation and act on it. Uh, and, you know, uh, that's why we do events like the one that we're going to be having here tonight, uh, because uh, I believe that it's good to uh, pass the message that it's important. You know, we're all, we all capable of doing something for somebody that is in need. So, so that's, that's, uh, that's one of the reasons why we're here today. Right, before we let you go, Carlos, do you have a question to throw in that direction to well, Neil? Yeah, because what we try to do is, yeah. uh, there aren't many astrophysicists in the world. There's about maybe 10, uh, last I checked, somewhere between seven and 10,000 astrophysicists, about seven billion people. So one in a million people walking this earth is an astrophysicist. So if you're ever sitting next to one, that's just a good time to ask whatever question you yeah. might have been harboring on the universe. Well, you know what? Honestly, I just want to ask a question, but I don't want to ask a question for myself. I want to ask a question for the new generation of ball players these days okay. that are playing the game. Like, understanding the technology that is happening in baseball, uh, how do you think should be the approach uh, and the adjustments that those players need to do in order to change their career for the best? I think there's a generation of people who are growing up only ever knowing the role of technology in their lives. Uh, and that generation, I think, will be much more responsive and much more uh, accepting of advice that could come informed by technology. So I don't know that you have to make special arrangements for them to be influenced in that way. So I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think it'll be smoothly embraced and, that, and, and a new era of baseball will come up and Chuck's version 40 years from now will be, they'll be talking to some superstar in 40 years and say, <laughs> they're going to say, back in 2000, Carlos Beltran any of us could beat him back then. <laughs> because I love now, Carlos. Did you see Carlos's face? This is a true competitor. <laughs> he, he actually just went like this. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, but we don't know what... We, we don't know. No, if there's some new thing, it. they throw 110 miles an hour. Yeah. You know, there could be something yeah, yeah, that could happen. Right. And they'll look back at this generation that y'all were just some slobs. You know, that could happen. And I like thinking about the future in this context. Do you know what's beginning to happen? What? the athletes themselves are actively seeking to use the technology. Whereas before, they it was, had to be forced on in them. the clubhouse, they had to yeah. push it in the direction of the athletes. Yeah. Now the athletes are saying, no, no, no. Can I get this and this and this? Because I need to know about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And that is beginning. It's where the geeks and the jocks are colliding. Oh, nice. It's this nice. nice thing in the clubhouse. It's a nice collision. It not, is not a, a positive right, collision. Yeah. Where they yeah. both win. Yeah, yeah. any other yeah. collision, we know who wins. Exactly. <laughs> Let's be honest. When, ge when geeks and jocks collide, yeah, one of them is laying on the ground. It looks, and doesn't the look good for the going, geeks. I am so sorry. <laughs> um, all right, so Carlos, you asked me some questions. Sure, a, a couple, sure. But I want to ask you a couple of questions. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, think, I hope I can answer yeah, that. Yeah, you, you'll have an opinion. All right. Okay. You ready? I think if you get hit by a pitch on ball four, you should get to go to second base. Uh, I don't think so. No, if ball four, it's, you take first base, you get hit by a pitch, you get first base. You get hit by a pitch on ball four, you go to second base. Because... Because of what you're saying? Yes. I think, I think, I think that 
It should be the way it is. Go to first. I think first is okay. Okay, there you all go. Right, That's one right. of your questions. All right, all right, all I mean, right. this is a man that stole bases. It's for a free a base. That you're, giving, you're gonna give so. him a base. No, I want two bases. See, if you hit me <laughs> and it's ball four, which it clearly is, unless my I stepped in the thing, that I, I want to take two bases. Well, anyway, okay. When are we? When? When? Sh <laughs> when can we rename the foul pole the fair pole? Exactly. I don't understand that. Oh, good. We got so yeah. okay. Because right. if it hits the foul pole, it's a fair ball. Yeah. Yeah. We should change that. Exactly. We okay. should change that for right. sure. All right. Nice. All right. Okay. I nice. like that one. I like that a lot. That's a, that's a good one. Okay. All right. Now, I got another one. Pole. I got another one. You ready? Yeah. If you walk on six pitches, it's a walk. But if you walk on ten pitches, it's a hit. Because you, it meant you had a good enough eye to waste to battle pitches the of the pitcher. It's a bat to battle the pitcher, and you earned the base. It's not that it, it, because it doesn't show up in your average. You know what? I love anything that reward the hitter. I was a hitter, so any, anything it. that rewards <laughs> me as a hitter, I will both You'll take yes. it. Like, I'll, take it. <laughs> I'll take it because it meant you have a good eye, and you're waiting for the good pitch, and they couldn't keep keep you down. I you love go. that. Okay, I love that. All right, excellent. And I just got to put this out there. Okay, people don't talk about it. All right. A 95 mile an hour pitch right. has twice the kinetic energy of a 70 mile an hour pitch. I wonder why people don't talk about that. <laughs> That's so weird that people aren't discussing this. No. I mean, you know, I see people at the ballpark all the time just like, did you know that a 95 mile an hour pitch has twice the kinetic energy of a 70 mile an hour pitch? You no. don't say. I do say, sir. Say twice. Indeed, twice, twice the, the kinetic, kinetic energy. energy. Why is no one else talking about okay. this? Check. They're so, buffoons. Here's why. No, but just a couple of things regarding that, right? It means if you're a 95 mile an hour pitcher, every time you throw the ball, it's taking you twice as much energy than it is a pitcher throwing 70 miles an hour. So pitchers who throw 70 miles an hour will have longer careers. That's all I'm saying. You're going to send him to sleep with a 70 mile an hour okay. ball. He's waiting for the ball. I can make a comeback on a 70 mile per hour pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> so we could bring this to a close. Uh, uh, Carlos, it's been a delight to have you on our Star Talk Sports Edition. Uh, you give us hope not only for people with ambition uh, and hope for what we can do with our resources um, to help others, um, others in need, others who are not in need but could make a better life for them later. Uh, the whole gamut, uh, you're there and you're in the middle of that. And I, I, it's, it, it's hard to say enough nice things about your career and what has become of it since then. And I'm jealous that you're, you, you're like... You're advising the Yankees because mm -hmm. I, I want to advise the Yankees, but I don't have any talent to do so. I think you do have a lot of talent, <laughs> a lot of knowledge. I think the Yankees are into that direction when they want to understand okay, more so about. There might the be technology. something I could contribute. Yes. I, I'll see you in the back office. One I would day. love to see you at the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, All right guys. Uh, uh, my playing with science duo, Chuck Nice, All right. Gary O'Reilly. Uh, to everybody here in our audience, Carlos Beltran, simply the best of. Thank you, sir. Yes, Thank so you. much. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. We're going to be signing off from the Southampton Arts Center. And I've been your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. This has been Star Talk Sports Edition. And as always, I bid you to keep looking up.
The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.